Have you ever been called a band geek, a theater nerd, cyber dork, studio rat, gamer punk, orchestra dork, book monkey, drama jock, poindexter, artsy fartsy, or just plain weird? Well then, welcome to Art Nerds. This is the podcast where we sit down with our nerdy friends, embrace our inner geek, and celebrate our art. And welcome back, my friends. This is Art Nerds. This is the podcast where we talk to our nerdy friends about their artwork. Today, uh, my name is Michael Bryan, and today I am sitting across the table here with Mr. Tony Brandle. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank good. you for having me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, Tony is a, a very unique in his artistry, <laughs> so I'm going to let him introduce himself. First question, what is your art? So um, I do work under the title of The Rabbit Hero. Um, what it is is essentially a narrative framework consisting of books and story blocks and poetry um, where the viewer slash reader creates their own narrative by picking and choosing individual pieces to incorporate and position sort of modularly to build comic book style narratives out of just general story stuff from life. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we will put links to his work in the descriptor so you can see what we're talking about. Uh, but it's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely Thank you. Thank beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and to help describe to the audience a little bit, it's generally, it's just a lot of small wood blocks yep about the size of like a deck of cards yeah some um, bigger some smaller some roughly bigger, but some smaller um and then on the front side is an illustration of something um be it a piece of mythology or folklore or history or a illustration to demonstrate a emotion um dialogue that kind of thing um and then the back has those things dialogue um some poetry the name of a character the description of the landscape what have you um and then the blocks are stacked together to create a three-dimensional comic like a sequence of panels that then create a narrative yeah and it's it's fun because you, you go to his booth at the art show at the art fair and you start playing <laughs> and it, do, I mean, uh, and you, and you want to just put them in order and you just want to play. That's, and and that's is my it, goal. Is that the goal? Yeah. Uh, in fact, where it started was I was asked to do a lesson in visual poetry at a college near my hometown of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Um, and that, uh, lesson, um, was accompanied by, an art exhibit and so what i made was these pieces of illustration of just characters of my own that i made up as a little kid um <laughs> because i needed something to build off of to meet with these students and have them right like understand what a visual poem was and how to make one and so they were essentially meant to be prompts for this visual poetry exercise and while i was making them i was like sitting in my room one night and the like light bulb went on that like hey you could take other stories and incorporate them into this framework and just make it available to multiple people who can just build their own do exactly that but with stories they're already familiar with like right. folklore <laughs> and history and right. mythology to kind of prompt the creative exercise and so from this aspect of play that i was doing with these students i it just it just blossomed blossom from there yeah because um but I, i'm just fascinated by the by the interactiveness because it's almost like your your childhood blocks yeah put together some of your favorite comic books. Yeah. It's kind of the feel I get. And Thank I don't you. mean to insult that no, with, no, not with the idea of comic book. I'm a huge comic book fan. Okay, so good. <laughs> like my primary, a lot of my major influences come from that. Not all of them, but a lot of them come from there. So okay. that's definitely not an insult in any way. Okay. Yeah, because you, you get that feel of this magnificent comic book that you can rearrange and play <laughs> with. And oh, I love it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. It's just so much fun. Um, so it all came out of this 
visual poetry class. This visual poetry class. It was um, a teacher, two teachers, two professors um, at Silver Lake College that um, one was visual art and one was poetry. And they were kind of joining their classes together for a lesson on visual poetry. And so one of the professors was uh, in my cohort at graduate school. And okay. um, her, she reached out to me because while we were in the cohort is when we learned about visual poetry and where I, and I just like glommed onto it immediately. <laughs> I was like, this, this is it. This is what I want to explore. Um, and so all my work in this cohort sort of centered on this visual poetry component. And um, so when they wanted to create this lesson, she was like, oh, I know exactly the person oh, to talk to because <laughs> this is like, this is what he focused on specifically. So, so uh, um, did now was that just a light bulb moment in that classroom? Yeah, or, definitely. I was going to say, because what was there anything that led you up to that prior to that? I mean, because um, you, you, you mentioned on your website that you've been, or, you, or I've talked to you. Yeah. And you've been. You've been doodling as a, mm-hmm. since a kid, since you were a kid. Yeah. So to just kind of chart the process for this, it's going to go way back. But <laughs> when I was, so the reason why everything is called the rabbit hero is when I was seven years old, I created this character based off of something my dad said. He groused about some rabbits in our yard and how there was no point in having a garden because <laughs> they just ate everything in it. Um, for the record, we no longer have a garden. My, my father no longer has a garden for this exact reason. But he, his voicing his frustration about rabbits getting in our garden prompt this like, interest in <laughs> that idea. Um, and so I would make crayon comics or take existing picture books and things that I had and I would draw a rabbit that was running through other stories. Like I would make a Batman comic. This is around 1989. Okay. And so I was like into the Batman movie. Oh, sure. And I made Batman comics and would put this rabbit in or like a Night Before Christmas comic that had this rabbit in. Um, And he didn't really have any specific purpose other than he was like there to help out (laughs) um and from that point i just he just kind of stuck around and his (laughs) personality changed and his i made him into a superhero where i did like an anthropomorphic superhero comic and when i was around 11 or 12 similar to yusaki ojimbo if yusaki ojimbo was a superhero rather than a samurai (laughs) um and that led to, in my 20s, I made a little bit more like a serious undertaking with that same rabbit superhero character. None of them ever really clicked, and I had a hard time kind of finding my voice in that way. Um, but I would do, like, be part of art shows, and I would make, like, wall hangings that would incorporate this rabbit character. And his name would, his name was just the rabbit hero, but he would change Right. Like, I, would, I when he was a superhero, his name was Phaser Face. <laughs> um, Phaser Face. Yeah, because he wore, like, the goggles, goggles <laughs> that shot laser beams. Uh, that's um, brilliant. But, like, <laughs> as I got older, I sort of... I, I started becoming really deeply interested in Buddhism and, like, Zen practices okay. and, like, the writings of Thich Nhat Hanh mm-hmm. and uh, poetry of Basho, haiku poetry, that kind of thing. Um, and so the rabbit hero character, sort of the superhero component, started to butt up against the, like, Zen practice. Oh, interesting. And, the, and I, like... Um, refined him down and simplified him and simplified him and simplified him until he got to this point where he's just this like essential rabbit right. with a cape scarf kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and the, the, he doesn't ever talk. You know, he's very like stoic, and but his purpose is to move between stories the way he was originally. Like he would bounce around Does between that- stories. <laughs> Does he have a? No, uh, I like the fact number one that we're talking about him like he's in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a weird way, he kind of is. Um, does he, like you said in the beginning, does he 
go to help other stories or is he just there to explore he's just, in the very beginning he's just kind of there in the way that like a seven-year-old would you know perceive of things where it, it's nothing so like strictly regimented it's just like he's there okay. and um the way a lot of my seven-year-old comics worked was they would be just as an example like eight pages long but they weren't like dialogued out right. for eight pages or anything. It was more like I would capture the essential. If I was doing like the night before Christmas was one that it would be like the eight essential to me moments of the night before Christmas. Okay. And it like was meant to encapsulate the story in a way that was just, it only really made sense to me because I was like, <laughs> here's, here's the top of the house. Here's, Oh, some, coming down the like, chimney. Some, yeah. yeah, it's a foot sticking out of the chimney because he's going down the chimney. Here's him putting presents under the Christmas tree. Here's him eating the cookies. Here's him <laughs> on his sleigh flying away. Like, that's essentially the story. He's just visiting. Yeah. And so, like, I would do those, but then the rabbit hero would be, like, participating in it, like, eating the cookie or something. Like, just playing it, it, a part. It, it just sounds to me, instead of... Um. Uh, most of the time, you get people who ooh, they want to fill their head with stories. <laughs> Your perspective is, I'm not going to fill my head with stories. I'm just going to be me, but I'm going to go visit other people's stories. Exactly. That's what it's, I mean. It sounds. It sounds like it's such a. So the the way the the way the rabbit hero artwork as it exists right now really kind of congealed connects to literally what you just said it it came from a friend describing buffy the vampire slayer to me <laughs> i had at the time had not seen it and his dis he was like you need to watch the show you'll love it it's like totally your kind of thing it has this and this and there's this element and there's this character who's a witch and this character who's like a good vampire and like blah 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 and all these things and the mental picture that this created in my imagination was just like this i'm like this sounds wild <laughs> like i am on board for it and while it is a excellent show right um it did not hew anywhere near what my mental picture of it was i had this completely probably unfilmable concept of like what <laughs> buffy the vampire Slayer was um and so when i saw it there there was an element of i don't want to say disappointment that's too strong but something akin to disappointment of oh, like yeah, sure. I, you know i i've kind of nothing's as good as what you imagine exactly it. exactly and it's that way with everything and so <laughs> from that thought the idea was how do i tell stories where every person has a different perception and that perception you have of what a story is is the story there's no right or wrong way to right. perceive it it's just and so your perception of three images in sequence is a different story right. than me but they're both canonical <laughs> that idea of how to make that work combined with that visual poetry prompt mm -hmm. combined with i need something to use to right. make these visual poetry mechanisms for this class i'll just use this character who's been around forever who showed up in different things and just make him a deus ex machina which right. is like essentially what he became but at seven years old i had no concept of what didn't that know, was. it didn't but matter that was like oh. he'll just be that and then whatever story anybody builds you just He's just, you just pluck out the <laughs> Deus Ex Machina whenever you need him or want him or base your entire story around him if you want. But because he's the only aspect of this framework that is the same no matter what you, no matter who's making it, he's the only essential aspect. That's why it has his name and why he's essentially the central figure, even though he's really, really, truly not meant to be the central figure. He's meant to be the like. Would you call him an anti-hero, or, uh, or is that well, a little anti too far in one direction? I feel like anti-hero implies you get like Wolverine and Deadpool kind mm -hmm. of, um, and he's much more 
like altruistic than that, I think, in my imagination. Okay. Um, but in a, he, he's an essential hero, but he's an essential hero the way like Superman is a hero where people can at times find him a difficult character to unpack because mm -hmm. of how like just he's just a good dude you're right you know he's doing this because sometimes he's, he's too simple yeah and you it takes a particular finesse to get that right because right. everyone wants to sort of boil superman down into like oh he also has problems the way everybody else does look at how he is flawed the way batman is flawed right. or spider-man is flawed and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily break the character, but it's not what Superman's it's, for. Okay. Okay. And so if you focus too much on that character, you can't really, you have to create these like conflicts to make that character work with like 80 years of storytelling. But if you use him sparingly and have him dash in and dash out and only have sort of ephemeral concepts that are attached to him he retains that essential goodness right that is largely implausible but so he the rabbit hero just stays that way because he's never really okay so even in the um so i wrote a narrative like an actual like graphic novel about him and i'm in the process of doing that um but he isn't even the central figure in the narrative about him because <laughs> you you break him if you give too much you break him what a, i think it's such an odd concept for an author an artist to i i want to call him a protagonist but the way you describe him he's not yeah I want to call him the main character. He's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, does he have, I mean, in your mind, does the rabbit hero, does he have a lot of backstory? Does he have this rich canonical no, uh, not, story? Not exactly. There are things for sure. He has like tools that he utilizes. Mm -hmm. um, he has friends or like, reoccurring allies and things like that um and in that respect i have relationships that he has developed between certain characters um but by and large it's he's meant to serve as a model more than a protagonist he's meant to be like the thing to emulate the like altruistic sense that he brings to his adventures is sort of it's like using cleverness and using compassion to solve problems that is a model to try and utilize yourself to enrich your own life and the lives of those around okay. you as opposed to being a character that is given made to be as lifelike as possible Okay, I, I teach theater, mm -hmm. and when we and when we get into story structure and things like that, we always go through what is protagonist versus antagonist. Mm -hmm. And I teach that um, a protagonist is not necessarily the good guy, not necessarily the hero, but the protagonist is the character that the audience experiences the story through. Would that apply? Uh, yeah, I think uh, not in every single case because there are definitely like the rabbit hero graphic novel. The main character is a little girl named Amy Miss, and she is clearly the protagonist of the story. But the rabbit hero serves as her inciting, her her MacGuffin essentially. Okay. Um, but in the story block instance. The description you just gave is 100% the rabbit hero. Okay. Like, he is the protagonist of the the, the three-dimensional story block framework. He is definitely the protagonist by that definition. Okay. But he doesn't always... He doesn't even necessarily need to be. He's not locked in. If you find a creepy monster block and you want that to be your protagonist and you don't want the rabbit hero to be a participant in your story at all... He can be removed entirely. <laughs> this podcast is going to make less and less sense as we go on without a pile of your blocks. 
in front of us. Yeah, it is. You might have to be my first video podcast. <laughs> it, it, there is an aspect of that for sure. There's a, a, the visual element is so lost on this podcast, and I apologize, but it's so fascinating because, again, just listening to you talk and having seen your work and played with the blocks a little bit, um, the rabbit hero is... I mean, you can go to, you can build any story, you can create any story, but there's this tiny, and despite what the story is, there's this tiny little safe space mm -hmm. in the rabbit hero mm -hmm. that for the creator, the storyteller, the reader, there's, he just seems like that little... He's an oasis. Yeah. Of um, whatever you need him to be. Whatever you need him to be. And that the... I, the Unbridled creativity is a joy. Yes. But it helps, I feel, to have it's just a small tiny thing little, to get tiny to, little anchor. A little anchor to yeah. come back to a, a a ship in the storm, so to speak, <laughs> of like oh just a complete you can get overwhelmed by I can go anywhere mm -hmm. with anything, you know, sitting down to write something, a play, a book, a poem, what have you, make a painting. There's always a story at work, but if you're building that story whole cloth out of your imagination, you're completely free to do right. anything you want. And so that freedom can be oppressive uh, uh, daunting yeah. yeah and so you Absolutely. having anything to sort of work off of is which is why to kind of dovetail into there's once i incorporated folklore and history and mythology into the framework then it became not just a matter of like selling my art but also like telling people about narratives that they may not necessarily have been exposed to um, or like folklore history mm -hmm. from areas of the world that they've never looked at because right. they don't think to do it. You know, we're given very specific, like most people know Greek mythology. It's pretty standard, but not everybody thinks about like Hasidic Jewish stories right. or, um, the Yoruba people of Benin and Nigeria have a pantheon that is equally as amazing as Greek or Roman. And, well, not everybody knows about those. Right. And yeah, they don't yeah. know to look for them, even. Right. One question we get, um, the more of these art nerd interviews I do, the more the question of audience comes up. In the sense that, number one, do you have an audience that you aim for? Do you have a target? I mean, it's a very corporate speak target no, audience. Okay. I don't actually. I, I, any audience I think it would have, it doesn't. Like, it seems like it would be a thing that kids would really like. Mm -hmm. And they do, but they're not the primary audience. Um, because I've got two daughters, and matter of fact, I met Tony through my daughter and my wife, uh, and my kids are in their mid to late twenties, and they adore your work. I mean, Maggie. No, I'm serious. Maggie has at least two on her on her shelf at home, and we're always looking for you at the at the at the market on Saturday mornings. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, the the I joke frequently that my demographic seems to start with like teenage girls <laughs> and go to like elderly women but there are like men in their 20s and 30s and 40s and like little boys and teenagers and you know non-binary people every so everything you, it, so you're not aiming for anybody you're no. just telling your stories i'm just doing this is the thing I, in in essence, maybe not this exact expression, but this character and this like way of like being able to tell my own stories, quote unquote, um, 
has just been the primary thrust of what I've wanted to do with my life. Um, and everything I've done in some way has been in service of that goal, even if it was working at Starbucks, to get to this point. And so I just make what I want to make, essentially, and trust that people will come along for the ride. <laughs> and they do, which is magnificent. So your primary, uh, your primary audience is yourself. Myself. Okay. Myself. The, the uh, things I would want to see in the world. Like just for example, I'm a fan of Jack Kirby and Jack Kirby's, um, I don't know. Uh, do I know the, you definitely know Jack Kirby. Even if you don't know, you know, Jack Kirby, he, is one of he's the primary artistic architect of the Marvel universe. Oh, then yes. Um, all of the okay. early Fantastic Four and Thor, and he does uh, these very blocky, um, heavily foreshortened, like pop art. Okay, figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he does a lot of like cosmic space gods and things like that, like planet devourers, and <laughs> you know these kinds of grand science fiction Marvel universe ideas um but so as a fan of his he i've seen jack kirby's interpretation of norse mythology and of greek mythology but i never got he passed away in the early 90s and i never got jack kirby's interpretation of the pantheon of the yoruba people right or of I'm blanking on, you know, of Japanese mythology. I never got his version of those. So it's fun for me to just, what do I think Jack Kirby's version of that would be? And make that for my own enjoyment and um, make these pantheons or these characters that he essentially never got to or wasn't interested in or what have you. Um, just because, but you're curious enough to know what he would have done that you're going to do it yourself. I'm just going to, cause <laughs> I, it's one of those instances like, so, um, I am a white male. Um, and I, I want very much to have people um, who are from these backgrounds create these stories, but in lieu of seeing them, I, in the exact expression that I'm imagining them, I just make them that myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually I'd have in instances found comics or like original stories written from, people of the Yoruba background who are writing about Shango and that's incredibly exciting because <laughs> I see a different interpretation um, but that interpretation isn't with this say Jack Kirby lens right. so I'm like I'm just curious about it and so I it's a single drawing to sort of explore that or a sequence of single drawings rather right. than like a whole book series or because I'm not enough of an authority of that background to be able to dive in that deeply. Right. Um, on the other end of the audience question, mm -hmm. um, do you, do you get to enter? I mean, you're interacting with one of your audience right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you get to interact with your audience? Do you get that? I do. Uh, that, 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 um, that luxury of being able to get direct response? I do. It's actually um, one of the best aspects of doing it the way that I do it is that by selling it in person and by being very um, communicative about the folklore or mythology or history where something comes from on a one-on-one -on -one basis while I sell it, there's a lot of play going on mm -hmm. between myself and the individual or the group as they're kind of exploring them and building a story for themselves or um, they're interested in a particular character and so they want to know more or they have a particular idea of how this particular creature fits into represent something in their life and people are very communicative about it in the process um, either they're just excited or they're looking for something in particular and they want to know if I, so I, 
have anxiety? Do you have something that represents anxiety that I could use to make my story work? Or I'm looking for a friendly, like something that's creepy but kind of cute at the same time. Do you have something that fits that bill? And then there's a dialogue at work of like, well, you could interpret this this way, or you could interpret that this way, and maybe these will work. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. But Do you get uh, a lot of your customers buying, uh, buying and using multiple of your pieces to do such things? Or do you find that... It's a mix. Okay. It's a mix. Um, some people get like one at a time it's sort of their souvenir for the visit like normally i do renaissance fairs and so like if they come to the rent fair they're like we want a souvenir and we don't really need a mug so let's get one of these weird little blocks you know and then every year they come and they get one some people um one of my personal favorites is i there's a couple from around around here i don't know where they're from exactly but they come to the renaissance fair near here um they buy about 10 a year really and they keep them in a trunk and every night at bedtime their their child picks three and they make up a bedtime story based on the three that absolutely marvelous and i i love that to me i'm like i have completely co-opted that for my daughter (laughs) i'm like we bought a shelf for her nursery and i like i just pick like 10 or whatever fit on the shelf and i'm like today we're gonna make a story about a friendly bugbear who doesn't (laughs) want to eat runaway children he just wants to hang out with his dog friend or whatever you know um and so yeah so that's because that sounds like exactly your intention. That's my, exactly my intention. Right. That's exactly my intention. Because um, I know, I, no, I was saying because I know, like I know my daughter has a cup, some of your pieces, but she, and she's a storyteller. You know, she that's her job too. She's a sound engineer and she does mm. all this kind of great stuff that way. Tells stories through audio, uh, but she likes her visual elements and. She doesn't use them for stories. She just uses them as... Because she sees herself in the couple pieces that she has. And that's great, because that is a story. Your story. Your life is a story. And experiencing them that way and using them to sort of fabulize your existence is... That's part of it. That's... That's what we live every day. That's amazing. I, I wasn't expecting that answer, but um, yeah. What I really love is I like I had a friend that I house sat for, and um, he had maybe like five of them, I think, five, four or five, um, in front of his TV. And I was house sitting for about four or five days, and I just would like be sitting on the couch you know watching tv while they're like hanging out with this fish and stuff and i would just like look at the sequence he had and randomly on maybe my like second night there i was like i i know what your i know what your story is i i get it like i can knowing him and being such good friends with him and seeing the way that he chose to place them i'm like i know exactly what you're trying to convey with these and that's amazing did you learn something new about him not exactly but i saw the way saw his perspective i saw his perspective and i saw sort of what he was hoping for what his what he wanted out of life and how he defined that wow in terms of these mythic sort of figures do you think he meant to do that i did i do and i do because when he came back i was like i think i know what your story is is this what you're trying to convey and he said that is it exactly and it was (laughs) like i'm i so rarely have such a long-term intimate engagement with someone else's way of interpreting them right like i don't always you know I don't always get that. Yeah, but how how good does that do your heart as an artist? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It was uh, like that was really one of the moments where I was like, 
okay, this You're weird not- idea actually works. It, it, it does work. It's not just like, yeah, this is what these blocks do. And it's, it's like, not a crazy concept anymore. It's a real Tony's crackpot mind <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, totally. That's how that works. It's like, no, that actually translates to other people's experience. Not universally, but and enough I, so that there are people who are like, that is exactly what I want to do with these. Right. Which is great. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and I think uh, it sounds like you're very lucky in the sense that people have, that your audience has uh, adopted. Yeah. I mean, without knowing it, some of them just, okay, yeah, it's your story. They came along for came, that. This ride. tiny little block of artwork has part of your story hidden inside of it. Yeah. And that it is inherent in the fact that um, if you are of a particular background, I'm German, let's Mm -hmm. say, there are German creatures that if you grew up with those stories, those stories are already part of your life. And so just using that bugbear as an expression is already there because right. you have you they're from germany you, you have that you know this, you know, yeah. you know, they're also from dd so you can have a dnd background too and bugbears apply but um at the same time if you don't know that background you are understanding that character by the context in which it is presented right in rabbit hero and so I can tell you that background, but you can just as excuse me, just as easily take it in a different direction. Than- well, it seems to be part of your part of your um, modus operandi. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not here to push your perspective. You're yeah. here to just prompt everybody else's. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And in the process, tell people about some really cool stories that they may not have heard of. Absolutely. Which I, I mean, uh, having seen some, having seen uh, a lot of your prints in one, a lot of your blocks in one place, like, oh, look at this guy. And you turn it over and there's this little saying, a little piece of poetry, a line or two. I was like, wow. And you just, it, yeah. And it makes you think, makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. I think that's. Well, and I think one of the things that works in its favor, and it would not work if it didn't possess this, is that when I make them, I that's when I get to play. The physical painting of mm-hmm. a new story block is when Tony is building his story, when <laughs> Tony is imagining what personality this character has, what relationships and um fears and whatnot they possess and by doing that i make an impression that is highly idiosyncratic but they're all idiosyncratic in the same way so they all communicate with one another right and they feel like there's something below the surface going on which is kind of what gives people this sense that like there's something to unpack in this image oh, and in this word that because there is you don't have to come to the same conclusion that I do but right. I have built my conclusions immediately into the work itself and they're just the backstory they're the they're my rabbit hero story essentially <laughs> okay every there are just over 1,100 different individual story blocks Whoa. at present. <laughs> I um, was going to ask you, but yeah, there's uh, wow, yeah, 11. Uh, I think it's like I think it's literally 1111. It might <laughs> I might be off by it might be like 1109 or 1114 or something, but it's in that ballpark. Um, of just some are like I said, like they're folklore, history, mythology, uh, philosophy references, nursery rhymes, world religions, um, public domain superheroes, characters I made up when I was seven years old, um, <laughs> and it, some of them aren't characters. Some of them are just concepts, 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 concepts. feelings, yeah. emotional like renderings. Yeah, um, this is what the experience of anxiety. I have anxiety, yeah, and so this is what the. Ex- 
if anxiety is a creature that yeah, 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 engages yeah. with mm-hmm. you when you're when you're experiencing anxiety and being overwhelmed with it, what does that creature look like? <laughs> and that by giving that anxiety this like physical manifestation it but it like it fits into the framework all 1100 of them when i've made them slot in somewhere in my rabbit hero narrative in my head and that only exists in my head and it probably will only ever exist in my head but and that's fine but that the fact that they do coexist in my mind viewers can see that even if they don't know explicitly what the connection is there's right. there's an implicit connection that it seems like something is happening mm-hmm. and that fact that it seems like it's there well, makes you question what is there and i can only uh, equate it without further thought to I, 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 you said eleven hundred, mm-hmm. and I imagine them all stacked against the wall, <laughs> <laughs> floor to ceiling, left to right, um, and it would look like the world's coolest family album, and every little piece just another snapshot in time of the gigantic story. This gigantic, yeah. This and that's uh, there's so uh, this is kind of a mental segue, but it's actually. It was discovered, it was, I shouldn't say discovered, but like come across after the fact, but I am a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. Okay. <laughs> and I was rereading Slaughterhouse-Five and there's a part in Slaughterhouse-Five where uh, Vonnegut describes, I can never, I've read it and I don't know how to pronounce the name of the aliens in, in it. It's like the tr- tr- Trollophmadorians or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's like some I, wild don't ask name, me, I but they're like a single <laughs> foot with like an eye and like a dangly bit coming out. They're wild looking. But they have, he describes what their like books are. And, and they're like, they have no beginning and they're no end, but they're like these like snapshots of experiences that you that they see in the fourth dimension so they view all of them instantaneously and so it crafts like a mental picture of what the of their that's how their story is told is by seeing these individual isolated (laughs) incidents stacked on top of each other in time but perceived simultaneously which makes them like that's they get their story like instantaneous right they can, and i read that and i was like that's kind of what a rabbit hill story is <laughs> there's no beginning and no end it's just like when you lay them all out side by side there's a there's a narrative take it yeah. in all at once it's one wall of narrative boom i think um to experience this go to your uh tony has a website and and so, one of the links is the story so far. And the page literally just fills <laughs> with this Tetris version of his blocks. <laughs> yeah. So I would encourage you to just tap on it. More images, more images, more images. Yeah, there's so many of but, them that they can't actually fit into a single But even like page. a screen yeah. filled with those. You, I, I found myself, I was actually uh, looking at it this morning, getting ready for this. And it was like... And I'm looking at it like I'm looking for the connections. Like, oh, I know. Okay, this there's brothers, there's sisters, there's aunts, there's uncles. There's there are characters that are people, like yeah. appear on multiple. I don't blocks know how Wonder Woman fits into it, but it's fascinating. See, so <laughs> this is actually worth mentioning. So I I no longer do any pop culture characters. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, unless they're a commission. Okay. So they appear on the website because someone has commissioned me to do a drawing oh, of Wonder okay. Woman. But and so okay. I put it in as part of the gallery of all the work that right. I've done. But um, I did for like one Comic Con, I was prepping. It was my first, I was like Wizard World Chicago, and it was the first one I was doing. And I was like, okay. I'm doing, I've been at Comic-Con, so I used to see, like, the kind of art that people have at Comic-Cons. You know, they're drawing Deadpool and right. 
Batman and all that. And so I was like, I'll do, I'll do some characters from like popular culture that people who go to comic cons really like, but me being me, I'm like, I'm not really interested in doing like grim and gritty Batman. I want to do something Batman adjacent. So I'll make like (laughs) classic 1940s elf boots, scaly underpants, Robin. (laughs) <laughs> like the cheesy circus right. Robin costume because and people are always like ragging on Robin and like don't want to put him in any movie because Robin's lame and right, 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 and, right. I, and I'm I'm like in the back being like uh, actually Robin's awesome <laughs> oh my you're, you're all wrong <laughs> uh, so so I just went through these <laughs> pop culture properties that I liked and I found characters that didn't get a whole lot of love that I'm like this character is this is perfect. unbelievably cool and so I will make make a rabbit hero block of these characters and so i did and now years later they're becoming household names like i did a luke cage and a ms marvel and a moon knight and uh and um (laughs) what's martian manhunter um spike from buffy um spider ham (laughs) like that like at the time I made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Like, I didn't do a Batmite, but I should have done a Batmite. <laughs> yeah, but well, it was, that's the most obscure one I could think of. <laughs> I mean, he's great, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and like, you know, I did Spider-Ham because at the time, when I was a little kid, there was the, like, <laughs> Peter Porker the Spectacular Spider-Ham, like, comic <laughs> that I read as a, like, six-year-old boy. And now he's, like, in... He's one of the central keys, voiced by John Mulaney in one of the most popular superhero movies of all oh, time. Oh, really? Like, he's I in, don't watch any Marvel, so I don't he's know. He's in the Into the Spider-Verse animated okay. movie. He's oh, like okay. one of the central characters. <laughs> and I'm like, at, like now like, all these kids are like, oh, I love Spider-Ham. He's like literally Spider-Man as a pig. Yeah. I know like, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. So like... <laughs> People are like, I love Spider-Ham. And I'm like, oh, as it turns out, there's a rabbit hero block of Spider-Ham. Um, but I don't really... I. This is getting into maybe my like personal belief system, what have you. But like, I'm, I'm not really super interested in the corporate... The pop culture pop culture scene very much like i watch marvel movies and things because they are an enjoyable roller coaster (laughs) oh yeah yeah you know absolutely but not really yeah you know it like it's like warner brothers owns all the dc characters all uh disney owns all the marvel characters i not to sound like an old get off my lawn man but like when i was a kid they were you could kill off characters. Mm-hmm. You could change them irreparably. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But you had their comics were the like abandoned medium, especially superhero comics. And so the opportunity to just do wild things that you're like, now we're gonna kill this character and somebody new is gonna take over and they're just gonna be the flash now. <laughs> right. And the Flash you knew is dead and gone and would be gone for like decades because they were dead. They were gone. Um, the fact that they're all now corporate properties, they don't that like the weirdness, the fast and looseness, the the change, even illusion of change is completely absent because they're IPs. Okay, they yeah. need to retain their IP in a recognizable way so that if they want to make another Captain America movie, right. you can know the character and have access to the character if you aren't like a hardcore nerd about it like I am. And I get that, and that's fine, but it's not... It's not for you. It's not for me. Yeah. I, I, I found a um, superhero comic called Cobra... C-O-P-R-A by an artist named Michelle Fife. And it's basically a... I'm not doing it justice. It's phenomenal. And I'm not doing it justice with this description. But he basically took analog... He made analogs of existing DC and Marvel characters and made his own... They're, like, very clearly, like, that is 
Doctor Strange. Okay. It's clearly Doctor Strange, but his name is like Vincent. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have a like but it, it you can't look at him and not in the context oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the story and not see Doctor Strange. And makes his own super like there's like 43 issues of it it's like a it, but he writes it draws it letters it colors it prints it distributes it all himself and just has built a superhero universe out of these analogs of but he can have a marvel character an analog of a marvel character and an analog of a dc character exist in the same world right. because he's not and he's not beholden to anybody's except his own creative impulse so That's if yeah, yeah if he wants to kill off somebody it's like the main character for the first like five issues just you can kill him off and then they're just gone for good they're just they're never <laughs> you know like oh i really liked that guy and now he's just gone it's fun to watch you describe this <laughs> because you are so uh, so into this idea of hacking the existing story. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and I, I may, uh, and I may be describing that wrong, <laughs> No, I but think... you, I, I just get the impression that one day you just took every comic book you owned, cut out every panel and just rearranged it. Pretty much. So... <laughs> My, um, if a person is a comic book collector, they're, um, their skin would crawl if they knew the amount of <laughs> comics I had as like a really little boy that my favorite thing to do was have my mom and my aunt cut out characters from panels of comics. And so I would be like, they would buy me comics at the grocery store and then we would just sit in the living room and I'd be like, I want that one. And it would be like Superman flying in a particular way, a cool pose. And so they would cut the Superman out of the comic for me and I would keep him in a box and I would like play with the <laughs> You really did that. I really did that. I was just making um, that yeah, up. No, but I really did it. Um, but like some of those comics are like extremely valuable now. Yeah, well. I, but I was like, I don't care. I just want to like, I want to make Superman fly over here. You know, I think that for me, that is just absolute joy. It is <laughs> not, not only just the creative process, the uh, the willingness and the ability, and in your case, the experience to just put everything in a blender and see what happens. Yeah, and also on the other side of that coin. The ability to just say, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I think that's awful. It does my heart so good. I, like, there are other ones like this, I, um, like me out in the world. <laughs> come from, like, from my early <laughs> teens up until now, essentially, I, from a very, like, 90s punk background so i like i was very very punk rock in high school um like went to punk shows and the whole diy aesthetic and like that was that is my jam 100 percent. and so um there's always just kind of been that aspect yeah. and it's just as i've gotten older i found expressions of it either in like subcultures or in my own creative work to express that like oi oi <laughs> punk rock you know like do it yourself like you can you don't need other people dictating these things to you you don't need to build your identity off of the combining of pop of pop culture properties you can right. you can just do it yourself. Yeah. Do your own thing. It's always better. It's always better. Okay. One of my questions I was going to ask you a little later on, but I think now's the time. Um, what advice would you give to other artists? I I saw that in the list of questions. I, I so I get this at the Renaissance Fair a lot, especially like parents bring their kids to the Ren Fair, obviously, and they right. come up and their like kids are attracted to rabbit hero stuff and are interested in it and their parents will be like oh uh, my daughter is an artist do you have any suggestions of what and the things i always come back to are people don't and this isn't a slam against people but people don't know what you want what they want until you give it to them they don't know what they don't know and if you don't 
if something that you can imagine doesn't exist in the world, people don't know they want it. And right. so it seems weird and strange, but the weird and the strange is what attracts people. And until you take your weirdo idea, and the rabbit hero is a weird idea, nobody <laughs> knows that I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to make stories this way. So I was, I, what I tell kids or adults, anybody who wants to do their own work is that keep it weird. <laughs> Don't think about, yeah, it can be lonely and it can be hard and you will have definitely, definitely, definitely have people telling you, you can't do it, but you have to tune that all out. Right. And you have to stick with what makes your self happy and different. Mm -hmm. um, like the way I put it to kids, especially is you are the only person who will ever have the exact combination of thoughts and ideas that you have. That's just a legitimate fact. Right. And that combination of thoughts and ideas that you have is what makes you different from everyone else. So as long as you are expressing that, your work will stand out. You will find an audience because there will be people who have thinking the same way, not necessarily the same ideas, but the same way as right. you. And you'll find each other. You just have to have the courage and have the stamina, really. The tenacity of it, to, yeah. The tenacity of it to just do it. Just, just do it. Be weird. Be weird. Be weird. <laughs> like, I mean, it... I, one of the, th I don't have the skill for this, but I've always genuinely, I, like, I would love to see math comics. Math? And math. A like, math. Like, four no. plus four is eight. You know? <laughs> like, trigonometry. <laughs> like, comics that are really math-focused. I would love to see what that looks like. <laughs> I am not very skilled in math, but the idea that you could use mathematics to create a comic book is very intriguing to me and i'm sure there's somebody out there who loves comics and loves math that is like oh nobody's gonna be interested in reading comics about math and i'm like uh you have an audience of one <laughs> you got for one, sure and we will find you more <laughs> right yeah and that's but anything like that like that's literally anything just be that's great. Be be who be weird, you are. Be more, yeah. Be who you are. That's marvelous. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Last few questions. Kind of the rapid fire. Okay. James Lipton end of the interview kind of thing. <laughs> right okay. Is there any artwork that you have not dabbled in that you think you would like to? Um. I'm having a hard time thinking of anything I haven't dabbled in, whether or not I, I've never made a film. Oh, interesting. And I feel like it would be very, I don't, I don't know if I could do a good job with it, but that could be fun. I could see that being enjoyable in a way. Um, it's at least intriguing. It's intriguing. It's intriguing. I had a film study class in high school, and I always had these grand ideas of what I was going to do for my film study movie, and inevitably what I ended up making was a movie about a suitcase full of underwear that kept changing hands. <laughs> like, super nonsense. You know, like, people are carrying around this briefcase and running, for, like, this guy has it, and then he leaves it somewhere, and someone else picks it up, and you don't know what's in it until the very end. It's Somebody just... takes it and opens it, and it's just like... Full of dirty underwear and you're like what <laughs> why um but i had these ideas of like this is where i could film a science fiction movie with like you know no budget and a bunch <laughs> of people um but so it, it or an animated thing would be really interesting yeah. i've always had kind of an idea of what i would do if i could make a not even a rabbit hero movie but like a animated short okay um but i just don't have actually in the process of this 
Um, I can't play a single musical instrument. <laughs> and boy, let me tell you, I would love to be in a punk band. <laughs> I would love to be in a punk band. Okay, you, you had mentioned that earlier. Like, I'm trying to picture you in a mohawk. And I got different. Just like just... a hot second. I had one in high school. Just like a hot second. But yeah. Cheap guitar, three chords. How hard could it be? Right? Like, I mean, I learned how to play every breath you take on bass. <laughs> that's pretty okay. it's, like, it's like press the string and pluck don't press the string and pluck back and forth that but yeah i think the long answer to i think i would want to be in a punk band okay i think i would want to be a punk i can see you in a punk band <laughs> thank you your energy is just about right <laughs> is there any artwork that you know you would never want to attempt um Fashion. Fashion? Why? Not I, that I'm disagreeing with no, you. No, <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't. I, dr- I dress the same way I did when I was 15. I don't I don't understand. I, I, I understand insofar as I understand the artistic impulse, and I understand what creative expression is, mm-hmm. and so... I don't need to get it, quote unquote, or, you know, scare quotes, um, <laughs> get it for it to, you know, be valuable and be um, of use to people, um, however you want to define that. But, um, but being that when I see fashion in it's expressed, it, I don't know what the impetus is. Are you demonstrating a grasp of the materials are you demonstrating a um a way it feels like you're using the model as a canvas but i don't know what the expression is trying to convey and Uh, that, that makes sense that absence of understanding makes it other and like foreign to me in a way that i like it just doesn't really appeal to me um interesting. It, it, it's it's interesting but not enough to explore um one two i don't do any i'm a terrible photographer and i kind of hold photography at a distance specifically because i like the fact that when i see a photo i either like it or i don't based solely on its impact on me emotionally and mentally. Um, There's no understanding of how the light is. Like, I don't, I know how you make a painting. Right. I don't know how you make a photo. I don't know. I don't understand exposure and all that kind of stuff. Right. And because all those things are so foreign to me, I can just appreciate it in this rawness of just like, I don't like that picture or Mm -hmm. I love that photo and I don't really know why. I just love it. I intentionally don't learn about photography so that I can always (laughs) retain the, like seeing a photograph and be like, that's awesome. And (laughs) like, Oh, that's garbage. You know, but like, (laughs) there's no reason why I feel that way. It's just like in my gut. And then I, 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 I will, I will, I would venture to say that almost every art- artist understands that initial, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, reaction versus something like, eh, it's, what, it doesn't yeah, really, yeah, and that's fine, like, nothing needs to get everybody's it, attention, right. but, yeah, photography, like, my wife takes, like, just on her phone, takes, like, phenomenal photographs, yeah. and I'm like, I've tried to take a picture of our baby, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I, getting this for that. Yeah, I'm with you. Blurry and like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a live theater guy. I can't work in, I can't work through the screen. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? It, that remove is yeah, very, the, it is, there's something to get over with that remove that uh, yeah. isn't there when it's theater or painting. Or, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, this might this might be another whole episode of the podcast. <laughs> uh, having talked to you this far, um, why do you participate in art? Not just your art, but in art in the big ethereal. I mean, it's the it's the whole reason to be here. I mean, really, like there are loads of things you need to do to survive, but what do you survive for? 
Like, if there's no beauty and art and expression, you're just, you're literally no different than my two-month-old baby <laughs> who poops and sleeps. That's essentially what it becomes. Right. Like, you, you, you need a reason to get up in the morning, a, a reason to go to your job. You don't go to your job because you, I mean, you might go to your job because you, I go to my job because I love it. Um, but if you, but you do the things you need to do to exist in the world and exist in society because there are things that give you joy. And those things are fundamentally art. All of them. I would agree with you. So, I mean... Okay, that was a lot easier than I was expecting. <laughs> I'm a philosopher at heart. Clearly. So I think about things like that on the regular. <laughs> yes, you were ready for that one. Mm -hmm. uh, last question. Where can we see some of your art? Okay, so um, I have a link tree, which is, um, if people aren't familiar, it's a one-stop shop website to get you to all my social media and online presences. It's uh, linktr.ee slash the rabbit hero um i have a facebook and a instagram um i have a regular.com website that's just the rabbit hero.com um and i have a patreon where i do um patron engagement for determining what folklore i research and write about um i do patron engaged comics um that kind of thing um but primarily, I do in-person appearances at uh, the Arizona, Wisconsin, and North Carolina Renaissance Fairs, as well as craft fairs, Comic-Cons, and like uh, farmer's markets in different cities around the Midwest. Okay. Yeah, and it's okay if we put those links in. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Tony, I can't thank you enough. This, I, has this, been, is, this is a pleasure. This has been an yeah. absolute delight this Likewise. morning <laughs> thank you yeah, thank you, was, thank you. it's been really fun thanks for having me thanks for hanging around and geeking out with us if you enjoyed the show hit the like and subscribe buttons and more importantly join the conversation and leave us a message or comment we'd love to hear about your nerdy art thanks again and join us next week for more art nerds